0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Today's reading is taken from Luke, chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. This can be found on page 1047 in the Bibles in the pews. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, If one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? and they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous.
1: Thank you very much, Christine, for reading for us. Uh, keep that Bible passage open. We will look at that uh, together now. Uh, can I add uh, my welcome to that of Joe's earlier? Uh, my name is Peter Bramhall. I'm the student worker here. And we're going to look at this uh, passage from Luke 14 together. But let me pray for us uh, now as we begin. Uh, Father God, we do pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would help us to understand what you say in this passage And that we would leave here rejoicing in you, but we would also leave here more conformed to your image in us and living our lives for you in this world. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, meals together are are, are amazing occasions, aren't they? I do remember, remember last week, Paul Williams, uh, our vicar, told us of his love of good food, his wife's good cooking, um, and his expensive and memorable trip to the Sugar Club. Uh, well, this week I want to tell you I also love good food, and I can remember lots of good dining experiences. Uh, there are a couple that kind of popped to my mind. I remember once, uh, after living in Sydney for four years, we uh, went with some friends to the Bathers Pavilion. It's right there on Balmoral's Beach, just off the the middle harbour of Sydney, of the harbour of Sydney. You can see right out to the heads, the north head. It's just a beautiful location. We went there with some friends who took us out for breakfast. We had great company, blueberry pancakes and maple syrup, good coffee. It was a great time. I remember other friends taking us to Sydney Cafe, which is right on the top of the building overlooking Circular Quay and seeing the Harbour Bridge there, and just spending a wonderful evening with those two friends. It was amazing, wonderful time. I can remember other times, maybe not quite so spectacular in terms of scenery, but just great times with friends and family, Christmas meals together, meals with other friends at various times. Meals and eating together with people are so special. Great times, aren't they? And as we come to this week's passage in Luke 14, we see Jesus going to eat at the house of a Pharisee. The setting is Jesus having a meal, and as the story goes on, Jesus takes the opportunity to speak about what to do at a wedding feast. When you go to a wedding, how do you act? He then speaks about who you should invite if you're organizing a lunch or a dinner or a banquet. And then as you read the wider context, you see this is a whole section which is full of people eating banquets and feasts. Do you remember we saw that last week as we saw the banquet of God's people in the kingdom of heaven as they sat down to eat and feast with God himself? Do you remember, look at back across the page to chapter 13 and verse 29. Do you remember what it says there? People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are, those who are last will be first and those who will be... and those, Sorry, let's read that verse again. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. And then if you were to look on to the passage we're going to think about next week, somebody says to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Here's a whole section talking about what it will be like to be at the feast in the kingdom of God and most importantly, who will be there. But in these few verses, as Jesus is eating this meal with this Pharisee, he takes the opportunity to expose the hearts of his his listeners, of those who are there. And as I've been reading that this week, it's exposed my heart. And I hope tonight it will expose all of our hearts. You see Do you remember last week we saw that there were those who came to Jesus and says, we, "We can't get into this feast." And Jesus says, "I don't know you." And they were shut out of this feast of God. And to G- today Jesus shows us what might stop us from entering that feast of His. He does that as a, a warning to us, a warning so that we don't miss out of that feast. The one writer says of this passage, Jesus it cures the man with dropsy and then turns to the Pharisees and the lawyers who are driven by their own insatiable desire for a place of honour and he asks, the writer then asks, can he cure them by his teaching? You see, tonight we can be cured by Jesus' teaching if we listen to what he says you see, coming to the passage, we see a, a great contrast in the initial stages between uh, Jesus and the Pharisees. Uh, it's, 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 we see the contrast in the way that the Pharisees and Jesus treat this man who has dropsy. Did you see how striking that was when we came to it in the first few verses? The leading Pharisees, one of the, the big wigs of the Pharisees, invites Jesus to come to a meal. But they have invited Jesus to this meal in order to trap him. As we look at verses 1 to 5, you could see the big point of them for us is to say, beware of hypocrisy. Beware of hypocrisy as is shown in the Pharisees. Because you see, as you read this, you see they have invited Jesus with the purpose of trapping him. Did you see that in verse 1? They were watching him carefully. Watching him carefully to see what he might do. Why will, do you see right at the beginning of the verse, they've invited him on the Sabbath. They've not invited him on another day because they want him there on the Sabbath to see whether he might do something which they consider unlawful. And to trap Jesus, they set the bait. They see it in verse two, they bring this man who has dropsy. Now, now dropsy, I think today would be called Edema. It would be a man who has his limbs which were swollen, swollen with an excess of fluid of water in them. From what I've read, I'm not a medical man, so I don't know if this is exactly kind of medically accurate. But it would be something that was caused from another condition. Most likely, this guy had a heart condition, and this pooling of the of fluid was because his heart was struggling and wasn't working right. So he was probably struggling for breath, hard to breathe he was probably struggling to move around. Here was a sick man and he's been used as bait by the Pharisees to trap Jesus. See, the Pharisees want Jesus to heal this man so that they can then accuse Jesus. And the Pharisees have no concern for this sick man. Now maybe you think I'm making a little much of uh, what's going on there, that they've been trapping Jesus. Jesus. But I think for the reasons which I've said, but also because of how verse 3 starts. You see, in the the Greek, verse 3 literally says, Jesus answering them, asked the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Jesus answering them. Why would he have to answer them? Well, he's answering the trap that they have set for him. You see, they want Jesus to heal so that they can accuse him and trap him on the Sabbath and Jesus reveals their hypocrisy and we see it in the question Jesus asks in their response do you see the question in verse 3 is it lawful to heal on the sabbath or not and the pharisees say nothing they say they reveal their hearts they know they've been caught so they say nothing and so Jesus heals the man, makes him well, releases the man, sends him on his way. The man then experiences that grace of God through doing nothing by himself. And the Pharisees stand there full of hypocrisy and Jesus goes on to expose them. You see in verse five, then Jesus asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And again, they had nothing to say. You see, for these men, these Pharisees, these religious rulers would have pulled their son or their animal out of the well. But they've got no concern for this man that they use as bait. And then the question itself is actually a little bit more than just, it's not just a random question Jesus asks. It's not just a, a random illustration. You see, the Greek word for dropsy means something like waterlogged. You see, they bring a waterlogged man in front of Jesus and then Jesus says, would you save your son or your donkey if it was stuck in the water? And of course they would. But these Pharisees will leave this man who is waterlogged and just use him as bait. You see, Jesus says, beware of hypocrisy in how we are treating others. Although it's what happens next which I find really surprising. For Jesus, I would expect at this point, Jesus to go on to then expose the rule keeping of the Pharisees and how it leads to this hypocrisy. We saw that a few weeks ago. And yet Jesus doesn't do that. Rather, what he does, he goes on in verses 7 to 11 to say, beware of self-exaltation. You see, we need to beware of hypocrisy because that means we'll treat people like this. But also then, beware of self-exaltation because God exalts the humble. Beware of hypocrisy and beware of self-exaltation. Look what happens in verse 7. You see, Jesus stands watching all these guests at this meal. I don't know what they were like, but I imagine they were dressed up in their finest. The men in smart, tailored suits with shiny shoes. The ladies wearing their best dresses and high heels. And this civilized elite of the society are using their elbows to get into the best seats. They want the best seats at the table, the best seats in the house. And as Jesus watches them, he tells them the parable in verse 8. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. a person more distinguished than you may have been invited if so the host who invited both of you will come and say to you give this man your seat then humiliated you will have to take the take the least important place but when you're invited take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you friend move up to a better place then you'll be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests you can imagine the situation, can't you? they getting invited to a, a wedding and somebody thinking, actually, I'm, I'm quite important here. I'm going to go and sit at the top table, I think. And then as everybody else sits down, they realize that you're in the wrong place. And so the host comes up and says to you, sorry, you're in the wrong seat. And so in front of everybody, you have to stand up. Can you imagine the embarrassment, the, the humiliation, the shame, as you then have to walk past everybody to the seat away at the back. You might think I would never do that, which is what I thought this week. But then when I thought about going to weddings, do you know that experience when you go to a wedding and you, you get to the reception, they've got the big board there, it tells you where all the different seats are and who's sitting where. I always scan the top row first because I think I should be near the front. It normally happens I stand the top row and I have to keep on going because I'm always away down at the bottom. But do you not do that as well? Well, why do we do that? because we think we are entitled to so much we think we deserve to be in the best seats of the best place we strive to get on in life so that we can achieve and we can say I have done this, I am achieved isn't that what we teach our children? the world's your oyster, if you work hard you can do anything Somebody was telling me about going to university open days and uh, the big message is they come to university, get a degree and the possibilities for you are endless. If you work hard, you can do so well. You can earn lots of money through your career. Uh, You can get great status through your research. You can feel valued through your achievements. And we think we can be self-made. Maybe you're sitting here tonight thinking, well, I am reaping the rewards of all what I have done and all my efforts, looking to the name that you have made for yourself. But Jesus says that self exaltation, self promotion doesn't work in the kingdom of God. Did you see the conclusion Jesus makes in verse 11? Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, it might seem to work in this world that those who work hard and put the effort in get ahead. But if we think that's how we get ahead in God's kingdom, then we are in for a shock. You see, in fact, the opposite happens. We are humbled. Verse 9 says, you will be humiliated. And I think if we extend from last week's passage, you might find that you end up outside of the feast altogether. Because you see, in God's kingdom, self-exaltation doesn't work. So beware of self-exaltation because it is God who exalts the humble. The Bible repeats in many places that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We've thought much tonight about the place that God gives us in his family. But he gives us that place not because we were great, that we had achieved, that we were better than others. He gives us that place because the host came to us and says, come, sit at my table. It's the host who brings us to the table and gives us our place. And so beware of your own self-exaltation. But Jesus pushes it even further as we look in verses 12 to 14. And I think effectively he says, beware of reciprocity because you will receive your reward in heaven. See, Jesus tells us, don't strive for the top seat, but be humble. And then he says, when you organize a meal, well actually he says, when you organize either a lunch. Did you see it in verse 12? There was different kinds of meals, whether it was a lunch or a dinner. And then in verse 13, it could be a banquet. The idea is whenever you are organizing a meal, whatever kind of meal it is, these are the kind of people that you should invite, he says. First of of all, he tells you who not to invite. Did you see it in verse 12? Jesus says to the host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. Now that's quite something to hear Jesus say, isn't it? When you organise a meal, don't invite those people that you like. I find that quite shocking. And is Jesus really saying, if you're going to invite people round for lunch, make sure you don't invite anybody from your family or any of your friends? I think about those that I invite round for meals. They are often the people that I invite round. Now who are the last people you invited round for a meal? Did they include your friends, your brothers, your relatives, rich neighbours? You see, I think the issue is that right at the end, rich neighbours. And then what Jesus says in verse 12, you see, this is the issue. The issue is don't invite those people round who will repay you. If that's why you're inviting them round, don't invite them round. You see, if you're inviting them around thinking they'll, I'll be repaid, I'll get something back, they will give me something, then don't invite them around in the first place. You see, Jesus is addressing the issue of our ethic of reciprocity during that a gift obligation system. do so you get repaid for what you have done. And so if you're offering hospitality to someone thinking I'm going to get something back from this, then don't do it. We often do that, don't we? We invite people around thinking, well, if I invite them around, then I'll get invited back to their house. Or maybe it's you receive something else. You invite them around so that you can receive the thank you card. And then when you don't get it, you're upset. You invite them around thinking, well, they'll speak well of me then, and people will think I'm, I'm quite good. I'll boost my standing in front of other people. But Jesus says, when you invite others around, don't expect to get anything back from it. You see why these words have been challenging to me this week. How often I do things to get things back from other people. But Jesus wants us to have a completely different view of, of the world and what we do with it. You see verse 13? But when you give a banquet... Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Challenging words, aren't they? Invite those people around who can't give you anything in return. Have the attitude of mind which says I'm going to invite and care for those people who have nothing and have no ability to give me anything in return. The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. I think they're a picture of the marginalized, the powerless, the the vulnerable people. As I was preparing, my mind immediately went to uh, thinking of refugees fleeing Syria or Iraq. To show hospitality to those kind of people would mean getting nothing back in return. I think what we've heard tonight about home for good, welcoming and caring for a child in care, we get nothing in return. Equally, it might be welcoming and giving a place in our house to those who give us nothing, or those actually who drain us emotionally, the grieving and the depressed. giving a welcome to those who shock us. In Jesus' time, it was the tax collectors and the sinners, those who would have been shocking to have round in your house. Welcoming those to your house that actually may be people who bring you shame. When you meet somebody else in the the street corner and they say, "Did, did you really have that person round into your house? you associate with that kind of person? The people that might just drain us of resources. You see, Jesus' words here are very challenging for us. Jesus is saying, show the kind of grace to others that he has shown to you. I think that's the big thing. You see, God, the host of the banquet in heaven, has welcomed us. He's made us to come and sit at his table in his kingdom, not through anything that we have done. And if you think about it, we are the spiritually poor with nothing to offer for our salvation. We are the spiritually crippled, made powerless by sin. We are the spiritually blind, unable to see the truth of Jesus, And we are the spiritually lame, unable to come to God on our own. And yet God offered his grace to us, to every one of us, that we might come to his table and sit with him in the heavenly banquet. He saved us not because of righteous things that we had done, not through the achievements that we have made, not so that he could get something back from us, And see, as Jesus healed the man with dropsy, so he heals us of an even greater disease. The sickness which we had, which would have led to our death, the sickness of our sin. And he did it not so that he could get anything back from us. Not because we had so much. He healed us because we were in a desperate situation, just like that man at the beginning. And so for us as God's people, beware of hypocrisy and self-exaltation and reciprocity because those things could cut you off from God's grace. For verse 11, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Or as we saw last week, the owner of the house may say, I don't know you. But also beware of that desire and that attitude which says, which becomes so consumed by our desire for honour that we then have nothing to offer to other people. You see, we may have experienced God's grace and we know all that he's given us, and yet we might still then strive for honour and standing and become like the Pharisees, hypocrites, consumed by their own self-exaltation with nothing to offer to help others. You see, think about that man that we began with, that man with dropsy, the man crippled by his sickness, but the self-seeking, self-promoting, self-exalting had nothing to offer him. He was used by them, yet Jesus took hold of him and healed him and released him, and that's how we should view people and help people. Tim Chester's really helpful in showing what that might look like as we care for people and provide for them. He says this, he's talking to people like us, I think. He says, we think we're enacting grace if we provide for the poor. But we're only halfway there. We've missed the social dynamics. What we communicate is that we are able and you are unable. I can do something for you, but you can do nothing for me because I'm superior to you. And we cloak our superiority in compassion. But superiority cloaked in compassion is patronizing. Think how different the dynamic is when we sit and eat with someone. We meet as equals. We share together. We affirm one another and enjoy one another. A woman once told me, I know people who do a lot to help me. But what I want is for someone to be my friend. People don't want to be projects. The poor need a welcome to replace their marginalization, inclusion to replace their exclusion, a place where they matter to replace powerlessness. They need community, they need the Christian community. You see, a community of love which helps and cares for people and ultimately then shows the grace that we have been shown by Christ is the best thing we can offer to people. Showing grace to the humble and the poor. And when we show that kind of love, then we will become known as a community of love. A place where the gospel can be heard and received and welcomed. You see, our meals may be wonderful occasions, great times of fellowship and friendship and spending time with people, but how much more wonderful they can be if we welcome those who are the outcasts or those who have nothing like God welcomed us and so then that we can show them that great gift that God has given us in his son. Well, let me pray for us. Loving Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you for the welcome that you have given to the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, just as we were without your grace. We want to confess tonight that too often we are shaped by a desire to work for our own self exaltation and work with those who give us something back. And we recognize that as we do that, we become uh, superior to others. And become no help at all to those who are in need. Father please forgive us. And help us to demonstrate the same kind of love you have shown to us. To other people. May we love as Christ loved us. And may we be equipped to tell others. Of the welcome that you extend to all who come to you for help. And we pray this in our saviour Jesus Christ's name. Amen.